welcome to the What the Fuck Is That podcast, where we ask the age-old question of what the fuck is that? I'm your host, Jess. I'm Jen. I'm Sarah. And I'm Erica. And we want to welcome Mm. our first ever ghost host, Paranormal in Pennsylvania. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Of course. So since you guys are our first guest hosts on the podcast, we just wanted to know what got you guys into the spooky paranormal all things creepy and weird i love this question because we are so different um we always say on our podcast that we have a skeptic which is my husband our other co-host a scaredy cat which is erica and a horror fanatic which is me um so i have always loved everything horror halloween paranormal growing up my family's pretty open about like hauntings and spirits and stuff so it was just kind of part of my lifestyle growing up to talk about things like that and then one day I was sick and I was like hey Erica I know you hate horror but would you be interested in starting a podcast about ghosts and yeah yeah and so for me it was it was the historical aspect of it so i was a history major in college i really like studying the different places especially you know because we've lived in pennsylvania both of us for our well most of our entire lives and um yeah so it was the historical parts of it where i get to like study different places and hear about different places and the horror parts of it are me just trying to be brave in everyday life. <laughs> yeah, I think Jenny and I got into paranormal pretty early. Yeah. Um, we were like the spooky kids and we're like, Do you what do you think about ghosts? Like we're like fourteen years <laughs> old, like talking about like spook spooky ghosts and spirits, which is hilarious because I am a scaredy cat when it comes to, like, scary movies. And I love scary movies. I'll go into some weird haunted places, but I'm kind <laughs> of a baby when it comes to scary movies. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. I feel like Erica's that way, too, where she'll, like, go to these places that we talk about, but doesn't like horror movies what do you think is the differentiation for you guys between the two because I think it would be the other way around like the real life places seem scarier to me so I'm interested in your guys perspective (laughs) so for me and horror movies it's always been the jump scares the reason that I don't like horror is because throughout the entire movie my anxiety is heightened because I'm expecting the jump scares and when you're in real life the place can be a little bit kind of creepy, you know what I mean? But I can deal with that. I, I just, like, am not waiting for something to jump out at me, I guess, is the difference for me. Yeah, I feel like I'm a, in a little more control when I'm at a haunted place where I'm like, okay, I have my protections in place, like, I'm gonna do a cleansing after, I'm good, I know I'm safe there. I don't know what's gonna fucking happen, I didn't film the movie, so I don't know when weird stuff's gonna happen. I'm a little more in control when it's happening around me, like... See, that's the opposite for me, because I know with horror movies... The jump scares are there, like, that's the point of the movie, but you're not, like, personally in it, as to where, like, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I still love going to creepy places, but I don't feel as in control there because 
you don't know what's there. I don't know. Maybe it's just an anxiety thing. <laughs> I don't know. I can be in control of one. That's <laughs> that's true. It's funny because I you talked about like the cleansings and protections. I feel like I apply that stuff across everything where I'm consuming anything paranormal. Like sometimes even if my husband or, and I are watching like an episode of a haunting show afterwards I'm like okay now it's gonna it's time to cleanse the area and everything and we need to make sure just even though it might be a movie or a tv show I don't want to leave anything to chance so I feel like I apply it across the board I'm like nothing is gonna get me oh my gosh yeah especially after I watch like ghost adventures or something where they're doing an actual hunt I'm like and we're just going to turn this off for a little bit. We're going to light some candles. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. One time we watched, uh, I can't even remember what show it was, but it was about like hauntings in homes. And we had been watching the series and most of them are like, and then they brought in a priest or a medium and they were able to resolve the situation. And it was always a happy ending. So you always felt pretty good. And then the last one of the season was like, and then they moved because their house was so haunted and nothing <laughs> would fix it. And like people were falling downstairs and stuff. And afterwards we were just like, wait what and we were both like what can we do we need to protect our house like no well and then it's just wild to me that different states have different laws on if you have to tell them about ghosts or not i think they're like ghostbuster oh, laws oh yeah they're literally called like ghostbuster laws and so certain states you have to disclose if there is a ghost or like some sort of haunting in the house before anyone moves into it. I think Pennsylvania might be one of them too. I am going to definitely look that up because my husband won't let us move into an old house. And there's so many old, beautiful homes here in Pennsylvania. I would love like the dark wood and the old character. I love it. But he's like, no, because knowing us and our paranormal selves, we're going to end up in a haunted house that we can't get rid of. And then we're going to be <laughs> stuck. But if they have to disclose to us, then maybe it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I think so. I would check into it because I think it's like five states that have it. And if I'm remembering right, Pennsylvania is one of them because there are so many fucking hauntings. Like... <laughs> Which to me is weird. I mean, we're in Pennsylvania. What You know what I mean? What is in Pennsylvania? I mean, I know it's old, but like... <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly why. Like, the history of it. There's just been so much here. Well, I mean, compared to us in California, like, y'all have a bit more history. Like, we don't really start until the gold rush. And that's when you start yeah. seeing things popping up here. So, like, when we were on your podcast, which... Go ahead and check that out over on their feed as well. We did a little switcheroony. Um, when we were talking about the house, I was like, there's no way it's that old. Because <laughs> in my California head, I'm like, clearly things weren't here until like the 1800s. Obviously. <laughs> right. Right. It literally, the house we discussed predates America, which is crazy to think about. Sometimes when we talk about places like that, I'm like, I must have written this date wrong. It must be 1860, not 1680. But nope, there really are structures that old here. That's insane to me. We did the Sandringham house at Christmas and she was telling me those dates. And I'm like, I can't even comprehend the amount of time that you're telling me right now. 
That is not computing in my head. Well, if you like whatever the fuck this is, be sure to head over to our Instagram. Our Instagram is WTF is that pod. Our Instagram is home to our link tree. Over there, you can find the link to our Amazon wishlist, the submission form for our Campfire Stories, Spotify, and Patreon. Patreon unlocks all sorts of goodies from us. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at Paranormal in Pennsylvania and get our podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. And as always, the very best way to help both of our podcasts grow, all the small podcasts grow, is just to share with a friend, with your mom, with your coworker that you're kind of friends with because like your cubicles are next to each other, but you really don't have anything in common except the fact that you both kind of listen to paranormal podcasts and that's really all you talk about. So that way when you go to work, you can go over the cubicle and you can be like, hey Carol, I have not one, but two new podcasts for you to listen to. And it just starts Carol's weeks off great and it starts our week off great because then we get more listeners. And with that, let's head into this week's case. That was... That was... <laughs> I didn't realize how on brand that was going to be for how you guys met. I wrote this last night. <laughs> I was like, I fucking nailed it. <laughs> I know, it made me think. I was like, did we used to talk about ghosts back then? Probably not, but we should have. I don't know. <laughs> well, if... If what the fuck is that podcast existed back then, then we could have. Exactly. So. True. True. <laughs> Just gotta tell Carol about it now. <laughs> hey, gals. Hey, what? Have y'all ever heard of the Biltmore Estates? What the fuck is the Biltmore Estates? I'd love to tell you. Our story takes place in Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. The Biltmore Estates sits on 8,000 acres of land. The house was constructed from 1889 to 1895 by the original owner, George Washington Vanderbilt. That took a long time. It did. Six years. this thing is massive. Like, I have to show you pictures of it later Uh because it is absolutely gorgeous. And you'll see why it took so long to build. Okay. 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 So Vanderbilt had been making frequent trips to Asheville while his mother resided there. The more he visited, the more he fell in love with the surroundings. This is where he decided to build his summer home, while his older siblings had made summer homes in New York and Rhode Island. He was just like, yeah, I'm a rebel. I'm actually gonna put my summer home here. Yeah, but wait, that's a summer home? Yes. Because it's massive. You need like a full day to tour it and the grounds because it's so big. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Well, and it makes sense that it would take like six years at that point because it's not his main home. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like as we do it, just keep building to it. It's fine. Exactly. Like he actually traveled while the house was being built. He wanted somewhere to call his summer getaway home, which is when Biltmore was constructed. Now, one might think that the Bilt in the estate's name is a play on words uh, for the Vanderbilt family name. However, it's to pay homage to Vanderbilt's Dutch heritage. I mean, I guess it's funnier the first way. (laughs) So Biltmore is a combination of de Bilt, which is a region in the Netherlands where the family originated from. 
and the word more from Anglo-Saxon, which roughly translates to rolling land. That's very fancy. Oh, that's so cool. I kind of like how they used to name things. Right? I wish more people named their houses still. Like, I love going up a street and seeing, like, the names of the houses on the mailbox for, like, the big grand mansions. But can we just name all of our houses? I would love that. What's that? What's your house's name? (laughs) I don't know yet. I think it needs to be something that sounds yellow. Yeah, her house is yellow on the outside. It's a 1920s, like, craftsman-style home. And so I'm like, it's just, it needs a yellow-type name. Sunny. Yeah. Sunny Magnolia. Oh. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. We're brainstorming wow, you here. you came up with that so fast. <laughs> I know. I can't. She does this constantly. Yeah, the... Things that come out of my mouth sometimes, she goes, hold on, I need you to backtrack your thought process and tell me what got you from what I said to what just came out of your mouth. I'm (laughs) like, hold on. (laughs) All right. When Vanderbilt purchased the thousands of acres, this included various farms and even cemeteries. Ooh, wait. So he bought other people's cemeteries? Essentially, yeah. No! Like this was this was just no. a piece of land. No. That's enough for me, Doug. <laughs> Not about that. It was just literally a piece of land. I know. How can you do that? Like I guess if you offer enough money, you can buy anything. <laughs> Fair. You know? I I mean, okay. <laughs> I think I don't think that would be a selling feature for me. What, you you don't want to buy a cemetery? I don't want to buy somebody else's cemetery. <laughs> no. Yeah, because I I don't even know how you would how you'd handle that. Like when we were okay, so when we we went to Georgia and they were talking about how the airport was built on a previous cemetery, but there were two families, I believe it was two, um, that were like, no, you can't move our family's body. And so they built the airport around the headstones because they wouldn't allow them to move the bodies. And that's what I'm... Like, you have to know if you're getting into buying a cemetery that you'd have to go through and ask every single person, is it okay if we move your family's body somewhere? But, or like, But here's the thing. One, that's like a f- federal airport. And this fair. is just like the Vanderbilts who have tons of money and can probably do whatever they want you know it's like is it right no but what who's gonna tell them what to do and I mean you have to think it was so long ago also that I doubt they moved the bodies the whole 1800s of it all I mean I mean I'm pretty sure like Maybe they were abandoned cemeteries at this point. That was kind of my thinking, is that they really had no one to contact, so they're just like, mm, fuck it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was? I don't know. That's wild. That's in. fair. <laughs> but construction began in 1889. To keep everything going at a steady pace, a woodworking factory and a brick kiln were added to the site. The amount of opulence is so stupid just to make a fucking house. They're like, no, actually, we need the factories here. We're not going to do any of this bringing it in shit. We're going to make it in-house. 
Oh, just wait. So stupid. The kiln was said to produce as many as 32,000 bricks a day. Okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That seems excessive. I... There was even a private railroad constructed to the estate so items and other goods could be distributed along the property. Can we just reiterate? This is a summer home. This is an additional home to your, like, living quarters. This is like a shits and giggles home. Yeah. And he's like, um, let's put in a private railroad to get things, actually. (laughs) I can't even... More than a thousand laborers helped build the house. How many of them died building it is my question. I mean. I mean. (laughs) Probably a few. (laughs) The house was finished in 1895 and was christened with a party on Christmas Eve for distinguished guests. It's known many prominent figures have visited or stayed at the homes, uh, including several ambassadors, authors, and U.S. presidents. Okay, get it. That's cool. So, Vanderbilt would die from complications from an emergency appendectomy in Washington, D.C. at the age of 51. You know, the whole olden times of it all. Exactly. You know, your appendix ruptures, you're probably going to die. Yeah. I mean, you catch the cold, you might die also, but... To, to the, like, no judgment or anything, but to end up dying from an appendage that is essentially useless in your body. <laughs> it just kind of feels like an insult. Exactly. <laughs> like, no one knows what your appendix is used for. It's, it's a residual appendage. Like, it's, it, it doesn't do anything. It has no function in the human body. Okay, that's enough talking about my guts. You know how that makes me feel. <laughs> Gives me the willies. She doesn't like when I talk about it. It's funny. That's, I work in clinical research, specifically gastroenterology. So I'm like all here for it. Yeah, exactly. See, you and I get it. <laughs> uh, his request was that the land on his property would not be touched his wife, Edith, would make sure his request was carried out. You go, Edith. (laughs) So the home stayed a private residence until after the Great Depression. To keep the home afloat financially, George and Edith's daughter, Cornelia, would open the estate to the public as a tourist attraction. I love that name. Like, that's one of the names that I would never name my child because they'd be bullied. But I (laughs) love that name. Oh, Cornelia. I love yeah. old names like that. Like long, beautiful names. I think they're so pretty. Yeah. I like like Jess said, I probably would never name my kid that, but they're still very pretty. I have a whole list of names I would never name my children, but still really like. <laughs> 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 yeah whenever I talk to my husband about it, I'm like, because like I think the name Magnolia is so pretty and like Maggie. For sure, Ooh, yeah. but he's from the south, and he's like, "We are not naming our kid Magnolia." Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, fair." <laughs> However, due to World War II, the estate became temporarily closed to the public because of fear of potential attacks. Uh, many artifacts that were placed in this home. So, like, this home has 
amazing historical artifacts. Oh, I'm sure. Like, priceless artifacts. They built a whole railroad to construct (laughs) it. Yeah, I'm sure it has cool shit inside, too. The Biltmore Estate would continue to be maintained by members of the Vanderbilt family, including sons of Cornelia Vanderbilt. Her son, John Cecil, lived in the home until he passed in 1963. That's another good name, Cecil. Wow, that's recent. Yeah. So this house, uh, I believe when I visited, Uh uh, I was about nine or ten years old. So this is how I knew about this estate was because I've actually gone there before um, when I was a kid. And it is absolutely gorgeous. I want to go back so badly, especially as a wine-loving adult now, because they have an amazing winery there. Shut up. We can drink wine and talk to spirits. This sounds like my dream come true. (laughs) Yeah. So um, from what I remember is that part of the house was unavailable to us because I believe people still are living in that. (gasps) Shut up. If, oh my god yeah if i'm not mistaken now of course this was i don't want to say how long ago i was eight to ten years old <laughs> it, was, it was a while ago so. but i mean like that makes sense because his last request was to like keep the property like maintain the home essentially yeah. and to do that you kind of i feel like to abide by his wishes somebody does have to live there yeah. You know, so that tracks. And I think yeah. you can actually stay on the property as well. Ooh. Yeah. So I definitely, there's like a lot of different things that you can do on this property and it's really, really cool. So I think we would enjoy a trip out there. I'm down. That is pretty far for you guys though. You can go on an adventure. It's like way more likely we get there. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's been on our list actually because it's supposed to be super haunted. Um, but it just is a big commitment because, like I said, you need, they recommend one to two days to do everything that's there. Oh, wow. All right. So let's get into the paranormal of all of this. That's Whoop why we're here, right? Uh, many visitors in the past have reported hearing a voice whisper the name George repeatedly down the hallways. It's believed to be the spirit of Edith Vanderbilt, possibly searching for her husband, who is believed to be another spirit wandering about the halls. Oh, she just wants to find her husband. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So cute. At night, people working on the grounds have heard sounds of laughter, glasses clinking, and party-like chatter. The only problem with those seemingly normal sounds is there isn't a party on the grounds that night. Mmm. That does sound like a fun one, though. I think that's so cool when people hear stuff going on like that where people are celebrating or they can kind of like see it through windows and stuff like that but it's not happening yeah like a whole big loud thing instead of just like a little name or a whisper it's like no we can clearly hear that there is a whole party going on yes you know they just want they they that's how i want to spend my afterlife so i get it yeah Yeah. partying yes (laughs) i was like they like to party in the afterlife you know well i mean that's better than like choking people that's (laughs) (laughs) agreed (laughs) many visitors 
visitors have seen spirits going up or down the stairs and the sound of footsteps. Uh, there's also been reports of strange smells, cold spots, and eerie feelings when visitors go up or, go up or down the stairs. Huh. So to me, a lot of these that you've said so far seem like residual haunting things and not like active haunting. Yes and no. So like, I don't know how to explain it, but when I was there, like obviously I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know everything that I do now. And I mean, even now I'm still learning, but there was a lot that like, even when I heard, uh, like doing this research Mm -hmm. and seeing that people have reported that feeling up and down the stairs, like I felt that like it. Oh, interesting. Someone was following me down the stairs. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what that is, though. Like, why the stairs? That's my thinking, too. I know. I was wondering if it's sort of like a transitional place for them somehow. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I really don't know what even I mean by that. Like, where would they be transitioning to? You know what I'm saying? It's just I'm thinking of it in terms of like going from the bottom floor to the top floor, but. I get you. Yeah, my thinking was with it being a, like an engraved, embedded, whatever, <laughs> uh, like a haunting of just people going up and down the stairs with it being an old house with all of that energy there. That's what's making your body sick because it's the human body interacting with that supernatural energy that just causes like a reaction. That's what I was yeah. thinking. It could. I don't know, but it's definitely interesting that it's, like, specific to the stairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Apparently, George Vanderbilt himself has been seen quite often on the property, just like I mentioned earlier. And if you're hunting for him, but can't seem to find him, odds are he's in his beloved study surrounded by his library of books. Oh, what a sweet boy. (laughs) Oh, I love that for him. I would also like to be a ghost surrounded by books. Same. Yes. Yeah, this sounds great. Like, maybe I'll go there when I die. <laughs> right? Like, between the party and then you just get to hang out with books? Oh my gosh. They are winning. That sounds like a nice time. People have also reported seeing a headless orange cat roaming the garden area. I was not prepared for you to say cat. <laughs> It was like an orange. What? What is happening? Oh, that poor cat. Yeah. Um, people aren't too sure if the Vanderbilts ever had a cat as a pet, especially one this specific, like the markings is specific. Um, I mean, it's a big estate, so they might have just had one yeah. for pest control purposes. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But, uh, so apparently this, this hat is headless, or this cat is headless. <laughs> Scratch yeah, that. Reverse, reverse it. it. <laughs> uh, so one of Asheville's landmarks, one of Asheville's biggest landmarks sits on the edge of the Biltmore property. The Shiloh Forestry Compound, or the Biltmore Forestry School, was constructed on the grounds of the estate. A man named Carl Schnett was hired as a forester for the estate. 
He opened up the forestry school and offered a one-year course for those who wanted to learn practical forestry techniques. Ooh. So essentially these... That's cool. Yeah, so they essentially serve as, like, fire lookouts, uh, support recreation, and manage forest health. I love that for them. Yeah, so... I don't know, people who can actually keep things alive. <laughs> also known as not me. Yes. <laughs> the only thing I'm able to keep my keep alive is barely myself and Romeo. He weighs about three pounds, though, so. He's five pounds, thank you. Oh, heaven forbid. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. I have one of those little cactus things that don't really need to be watered that has been alive for a while. But that's... Hey, you know what? That's an accomplishment. You just got a Tamagotchi and you are a great mother to that Tamagotchi. It's dead. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) You got it less than... You got it a week ago. (laughs) I know, but it's hard. I was out of the house and I forgot it. And, you know, (laughs) if you're out of the house and it's at home, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> that's it <laughs> oh my god i remember those from when we were kids those are great i love that they're making a resurgence i love that people are all about tamagotchis again i'm like yes anywho schneck and vanderbilt would come to dispute uh the payment for work which led to schneck's departure and the school closing oh fun fun Now, what I haven't mentioned is that the school was actually a site of a prostitute's murder. Like, while it was a school? No. Oh, okay. I'm like, what are these forestry trainers doing? Like, (laughs) like, what is happening here? No, this is said to have happened in the 1920s. Okay. Um, It's said that this prostitute was murdered by one of her johns. And is now said to essentially wander about the grounds. Oh, poor sweet baby angel. Yeah. Oh, no. Was there this murder here, but there were also executions by the form of hanging performed there. Nope. <laughs> nope. Which is arguably the worst way to execute someone. Yeah. Because it's not even like the choke. Or the, yeah, the choking or the break. It's not always the breaking of the neck that kills them. Sometimes they just have to hang there for a while. I was like, do you know what it takes to to be hung? Like, do y'all know what it takes to be hung? Isn't there like a lot of math? So essentially, (laughs) your like the back of your head, like your neck, essentially like dislocates from itself. Um, but your trachea is also pressed, and then your brainstem can essentially be affected at the same time. So it can take about two to three minutes for you to die from asphyxia. Ooh, that is awful. To be honest with you, I really, I've never seen or really read about hangings other than in like TV shows or movies where people just kind of die instantly. So that is not something that I was aware of. Yeah, no, it's not instant whatsoever. It is actually oh. quite painful and horrific. And I know there's a lot of instances like with a lot of prison hauntings where they did the execution on there and then essentially made the prisoners build their gallows, but they never 
because it's an exact math science of how far you have to drop someone and how long the rope has to be so that way their neck like does it and they're not just like staying there choking but there's some instances of hauntings that I've read about where they do the hanging and then the person just hangs there for like 30 minutes just like choking to death it's wild and yeah it's not a fun way to die no yeah geez which makes sense why there's so many hauntings based around hangings yeah (laughs) right we always say that it's like hmm a traumatic death lended itself to a haunting imagine that yeah (laughs) (laughs) who would have thought well it's said to be the site of secret hangings that were the last executions to take place in the early 1950s the spirits of 1950s no i know what that's why it says secret secret and execution should not be two words that are put together no correct i agree (laughs) i don't know what to tell you you're like i don't like it either but here we are (laughs) well i feel like we think a lot of these things are completely outdated because they are and they still happen like do you guys know when the last guillotine execution was in france Oh, it was, yeah, like in the 60s, I want to say. 1977. Oh, so weird. I know, like, why are we in the 50s and 70s still using guillotines and hanging people? Like, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know. (sighs) I mean, doesn't some of the states that have a death penalty still use hanging as... I think for the I think for the states that you can choose your execution, it's one of them. Okay. So I because it's I, like an option. Yeah. Like people can choose the chair or the injection, or hanging in some cases. I forget what states now, but I did read that on Wikipedia not too long ago. That or firing squad, I know, is some states yes. offer that too. Which is fucking insane to me that you would still offer that. Like, what? I just want to know. Right, that's kind of like a terrible thing to put on someone. Like, maybe it's nice to give them a little bit more agency, but it's kind of cruel in a way of like, okay, pick how you're going to die. These are all absolutely terrible options. You know, they can all be like botched in some way, shape or form. Like, pick your poison. Ooh, I don't like it. It skews me out. Well, and then it's just wild to me. It's the same idea of when they would first execute prisoners and make them build their own gallows. We've just changed it up a little bit. It's like, you can choose how you want to be executed. I feel like that plays the same mental games with someone as, okay, go make your gallows. And it's like, oh. Well, didn't they used to make uh, prisoners on death row dig graves for those who were executed they also used to make the people in prison build the prison yeah that's too that's (laughs) i have a weird fascination with old prisons i get really excited to go see them like and i don't know if they're as much of a thing where you guys are as compared to california but california has a lot of like old west towns early settlers And so the prisons are just like one room buildings. And it's so fascinating to go in and look inside them. 
Yeah, I, if you're ever in Philadelphia, I highly recommend the Eastern State Penitentiary. One, super haunted. Two, historically interesting because Al Capone was actually there. And it's just like this massive intimidating structure. And it teaches you a lot about how bad the conditions were. But it, I think it is the case that like prisoners were in one wing and then they had to get up every morning and like go build the rest of it, which is just crazy with like minimal food and water and like malnutrition. It's crazy. And another one, if you like prisons, is Dry Tortugas in the Keys. It's like you have to take a boat to get there, but it was a prison colony, I think it was called. And you can like snorkel it now, but it's crazy to think that it was like off Key West and was a prison. Like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to this remote island. The supervision and like regulations for that must have been so not enforced if you have to take an hour boat ride to even reach it. Oh yeah, that's insane. I But the fact that people used to do that, where they're like, hmm, Let's just take these people out of prison and go put them on this island. Uh, I don't know how to segue that either, but (laughs) here we are. Uh, The spirits of those who were hung here are said to be seen walking the old school. However, it's said they're never seen past the school, so they stay, like, on the edge of the property line. Again, we love a respectful ghost (laughs) who knows what the boundaries are. Exactly. Love that. Yeah, so that's the story of the Biltmore Estates. I love that. I definitely want to go to there. Yeah. You want to go to? Yeah, me too. I wonder if there's, um like, remnants still of, like, the railroad. I think that would be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because I assume it deteriorated, but... I don't remember. What I do remember is that there's a restaurant there that was built in the old stables, and so your seat, like your table is essentially a stable and it's really cool. That is kind of cool. Oh, that's, that's cool. so cool. Yeah, it was really cool to, to go there. I can't wait to go it's... there again. Yeah, I'm just curious, like all of that leftover haunting, because like obviously there's those big ones. But like what we were talking about before is there has to be other things. These are just the ones that people talk about the most. So I'd be really curious to go and see what other hauntings or spirits or energies yeah. are there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get out there soon. Nice. We'll do a whole girls trip. We'll all go together and we'll all go ghost hunting. It'll yeah! be great. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Are you ready to horrify us with your creepy fact then? I am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? No, but you're gonna tell me anyways. So let's go. So because we talked about executions and the different ways to die by execution, um, one that we did say was, you know, guillotine, right? Mm -hmm. You know, your head chopped off. Well, even after decapitation, human heads can stay conscious for about 20 seconds. (laughs) No. <laughs> that's absurd. That would be wild to experience. That, that's what I was gonna say. Listen, it sounds horrifying, of course, but at the same time, there is no other period in anybody's life where you would be able to see your body in front of you. Do you know what I'm saying? 
if you rolled, if your head rolled correctly, it's terrifying, <laughs> but it is interesting. <laughs> Here's the thing, is that there have been medical cases of an internal decapitation. So, essentially, your vertebra is no longer together. However, your spinal cord, your muscles, Mm -hmm. and your ligaments are the only thing that is keeping your head attached to your body and keeping you alive. We need to stop doing this segment because it always makes my tummy hurt. Like, every time you give me a new fact, I'm like, and that's another thing that makes my tummy hurt. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, there are people who still live through this. They obviously have to go through immediate surgery to have a spinal fusion. But yeah, so there's things as internal decapitation. No, thank you. I don't love that. I don't like the idea of that. <laughs> now, every time I'm, like, at the gym or something, I'm just going to be, like, feeling the back of my neck after I do a set. Like, are we good? Is That's... everything okay? I didn't decapitate myself on accident, right? We're still good? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you like whatever the fuck this is, be sure to head over to our Instagram, WTF is that pod. Our Instagram is home to our link tree. Over there, you can find the link to our Amazon wish list, submission form for campfire stories, our Spotify and Patreon. And a very big, huge thank you to Paranormal in Pennsylvania for being the first guest host on the show. Make sure to check them out on Instagram and wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't accidentally decapitate yourself this week. Yeah. Uh, bye. bye.